0: Hello everyone and welcome to season four, episode twenty-one of Nebraska Soccer Talk. I am your host, Joe Cleary. I am recording this after a day filled with Liverpool not winning the Premier League title and yard work, so if I sound a little exhausted and exasperated, that is why. A wild season capped by a final wild final two nights at the state tournament, and I am here to recap it all for you. In this episode, I will recap all four championship games and share with you our tournament MVPs from each class. After that, I will give a special shout out to our 2022 Nebraska Coaches of the Year. We named a Boys and Girls Coach of the Year, both very deserving candidates, and I will tell you why. If you want to hear more about each class in depth, make sure you tune into our upcoming four-part series that will contain coach and player interviews from Class A and B, Boys and Girls. I will also highlight the Golden Boots during that show, as well as a couple key players from around the state. I'm not going to do a recruiting roundup segment or anything else today or in those next four shows because I want to keep it simple and focused on high school soccer so we can round out the season in a good way. Expect a big recruiting roundup a couple weeks from now once more things are settled. We did have some big D1 commits on the girls' side of the game, so I look forward to highlighting those as well as some of the junior college to four-year program commitments and the boys' commitments. This episode is brought to you by Fleet Feet Sports. Fleet Feet Sports is our number one sponsor and one of our biggest supporters. Locally owned and operated, Fleet Feet Sports has a location in Omaha and Lincoln, with a third location coming soon to the Exarvent Village. When you think of Fleet Feet, you might just think of shoes, but they offer so much more. Yes, they do offer shoes with a state-of-the-art fitting process, but they also have tons of athletic and training gear, including clothes, fitness watches, and nutrition items from all the major brands you know and love, as well as some quality brands that you may not know yet. Fleet Feet also offers running and walking classes and training groups at low or no cost. A great organization that is worthy of your business, visit www.fleetfeet.com for all your fitness needs. If you are interested in having your business sponsor Nebraska Soccer Talk, please reach out to us. If you want to be an individual supporter, visit our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Nebraska underscore talk or Venmo at www.venmo.com slash Nebraska underscore talk. We are one of the most affordable subscriptions out there at $2 a month, either in lump sum through Venmo or in monthly payments through Patreon. You get year round, early, and exclusive access to Nebraska Soccer Talk content. You also help us grow and expand as an entity. Let's get to this week's episode. Before we get started with the recaps of the four finals, I'm just going to get it out of the way that I'm not going to talk much about the refereeing or the disputed calls. I'm just really kind of tired of talking about refereeing and seeing the discourse that's happened online. And it's not really what I want Nebraska soccer talk to be about, nor do I think that's what the conversation in high school soccer needs to be about because we have too many awesome players, great coaches and programs to waste the energy and mental capacity going round and round back and forth about officiating and calls. And on top of all of that, we need these officials to come back next season if we want to have games, if we want to have the games that we have. And that's not just varsity games. That's also the lower uh, JV and maybe freshman games. Um, so we're just going to jump into the finals. Uh, we will get started with the first final of last week, the Class B girls final between number one, Scut and number two, Norris. This final was crazy. The game had a whole season worth of craziness about it. In this game, we had a red card to a goalkeeper, an ambulance call to the field an indirect free kick at the top of the six, two times where there were back-to-back goals scored by the two opposing teams. And of course we finished with penalty kicks. A bunch of these are situations that coaches can prepare for and teams can prepare for mentally. And some of it in training, like the indirect free kicks, the penalty kicks uh playing down a person. Um, but to have all these situations happen in one game is pretty unlikely and pretty unreal to have to, to balance out for both teams. So uh, definitely a lot of up and down, uh, for both Scott and Norris. The final, uh, was of course a rematch of last season with a lot of returning players on both sides. And I was pretty excited about this matchup. There were a lot of good players on both teams and out of all the games, I was least sure about who was going to come out on top in this one. Um, last year, I thought Scott were pretty much unbeatable, but this year through Scott's graduation and Norris's growth, I thought the gap between the two teams had narrowed quite a bit. Right out of the gates, Scott was dominant. Honestly, I can't recall if Norris crossed midfield, and if they did, it was very brief. The Titans were able to keep the Skyhawks out of the back of the net, but the game got really interesting basically the first time the Titans broke free going forward. Scott's goalkeeper came out of the net and out of her box to challenge, taking down the Norris attacker, and the referee issued a red card, which meant Scott were going to have to play the majority of the final with 10 players and their backup goalkeeper. After that, in all fairness to Scott, they continued to be the more dominant team, even with 10 players. They got the breakthrough first with a Presley Douglas goal. It was a great finish by the freshman forward, who has had a great season up to then. It didn't take long for Norris to answer back. Grace Kohler, the two-footed left defender for the Titans, hit a free kick from distance that found the back of the net. Kohler has been excellent on set pieces all season for the Titans, both on free kicks and corners. And I just had a feeling that, especially once the goalkeeper change happened and they went down a person, Kohler was going to find the back of the net or find some one of her teammates on one of those set pieces and it was going to come into play in this game. That goal really helped kickstart Norris a little bit and they evened out the play as we headed into halftime. After the break, Scott back, went back to doing what they do best. They found the back of the net through a long-distance strike from Elizabeth Rosenthal. Rosenthal's goal was assisted by Lakin Appel, which gave Appel the sole lead for assists in the state of Nebraska. Just like in the first half, the Titans found a response right away. And again, it was very similar to goals they had scored all year. Kennedy Sullivan just making a hustle play on a rebound and she was able to sneak it into the goal. I think that's what Norris did all season. They 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 just hustled. They created goals out of their hard work and just their overwhelming effort um, against teams. So we saw a scoreless rest of the second half as well as two scoreless overtime periods. We headed into the shootout and early on, it felt like the loser would be the first one to blink or miss the shot. Um, The keepers just weren't getting to any of the penalties um, because they were so well taken. They just weren't getting a good jump on any of them or guessing correctly. Um, Titan senior, unfortunately, Heidi Suarez uh, missed off of the post for for Norris. And then freshman Corinne Merkel stepped up and buried a really nice penalty kick to confirm the Skyhawks as repeat champions. Uh, It was a pretty crazy game that saw Scott come out on top. And honestly, I wouldn't bet against seeing a third round of this matchup next season in the state final Scott does graduate a handful of impact players in whitaker Ondalen, van dyke moritz and wells but they return a lot of their firepower and their goalkeeper as well as uh midfielder caroline dob norris loses even less but they will have to find a goal scoring replacement for sophie Tolero, which i do think they have on their team and a goalkeeping replacement for isabella kester which i'm not sure about how their uh backup goalkeeper is Obviously, teams like Duchenne, Scotus, and Bennington are also going to be in the mix, and we'll have something to say about us crowning, you know, Norris and Scott as the rematch in next year's state championship game. Before we move on to the Class A final, I do want to take a quick moment to point out some players to highlight during the Class B tournament before we get to our MVP choice. I think in order to be a tournament MVP, your team has to make the final. So we take a look at some of the players from Norris and Scott who are contenders for the MVP. First from the Titans, I think there would have been several contenders had the Titans come out victorious. I thought Peyton Wilkinson and Grace Kohler played well in the back, with Kohler also contributing on the attacking end. Reese Bohr was solid and consistent in the midfield all-tournament, and I thought she played her best soccer in the tournament in the second half of the title game. She was everywhere, winning tackles, finding, finding passes, very impactful. And then Kennedy Sullivan um, she played a couple different positions for the Titans during the state tournament. She was in the back. She was up top. Um, she had a major impact on things um, from the champions, the Scott Catholic Skyhawks. We had a host of players that had a great tournament. Presley Douglas scored a goal in each of the three state tournament games. Obviously Tess Barrons, who was our uh, RCC tournament MVP. She had a, a solid and impactful tournament as did um, senior Brina Whitaker. She was solid and impactful. They both played up top or in the back. Um, I thought one player that stood out to me this year after not seeing any time really last year was Delaney O'Darty. Uh, she was a strong young presence in the back for the Skyhawks and she saw a lot of players get rotated around her, but she basically played the whole time. Um, I thought all of these players pushed for that award, uh, but we did eventually settle on one of their teammates. Junior Lakin Appel is our 2022 Class B Girls State Tournament MVP. Lakin tallied four assists over three games, including one in the final. Not only did her assist in the final lead to the Skyhawks' second goal, which was vital, but it also helped her take sole possession of most assists in the state for Class A and Class B girls. I also thought Laken played some of her best soccer in the state tournament, and she is viewed as a true leader within the Skyhawk program, even as a junior. While this was a difficult decision, uh, we feel great about naming Laken Appel as our Class B girls state tournament MVP. Lincoln is going to be a guest on the podcast here next week, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Next up, we move on to the Class A girls final. The final is between the undefeated number one Gretna Dragons and the one-loss Cinderella story, Lincoln Southeast Knights. How can a one-loss team be a Cinderella story, you ask? Well, the Southeast Knights were unranked by the major news publications coming into the season Uh, and considered by many to be the third or maybe even fourth best team behind Pius in Lincoln. Uh, The Knights proved a lot of people wrong. The matchup with the Dragons was always going to be a tough road for them, and we thought that the Knights would have to keep the Dragons scoreless early if there was going to be any shot in an upset. Unfortunately for the team from the Capital City, this did not happen. Allison Marshall opened the scoring early for the Dragons with a great spin and finish in the box, Chaley French scored an absolute rocket off a well worked free kick, and the Dragons were off to the races. Ava Makovica scored a third before Marshall added her second on a through ball, which was the Dragons' fourth. And then Aiden Pullman piled on the first half misery for the Knights, scoring the Dragons' fifth from distance. In the second half, Cadence Bonneau from the Knights got on the board 90 seconds into the half with a great free kick effort from long range, so the Knights did not get shut out like most teams did by Gretna this year. The second half was fairly nondescript. The Dragons let off the gas a little bit, I think. And they also uh, did what they did all season, and they they went deep. They I think they put a ton of players off their bench. Uh, Makovica did get a second, which was the Dragons' sixth before the end of the game. The Dragons ran out 6-1 winners, finishing their perfect season, 21-0. Uh, we won't get too much into their season, as we're going to save that for the Class A recap. But it was a dominating performance by the Dragons from bell to bell. Before we move on to the boys' side of things, I do want to highlight our Class A tournament MVP and the players that pushed for the for that award. First, from the champions, the Dragons were absolutely loaded, and they had more than a handful of players that were worthy of the award. Any one of the Daphini sisters—Savannah, London, or Sonora—put uh, in performances all tournament worthy of the award. Obviously, Allison Marshall was in excellent form as a goal scorer, averaging a goal a game. Ava Makavica. Also had a solid tournament from the midfield, averaging a goal a game, which is pretty impressive. Um, and then obviously Chaley French was good too, um, including some of the, def- and then there's some of the defenders, some of the more role-playing defenders that didn't get a lot of public pub- publicity, you know, like uh Cindy's a blue jewel. She played really good soccer this tournament. Um, from the Knights, I thought Taya Ryan had a positive effect up top of the Knights. She's just, she's fast and she was a handful. I mean, uh, the Knights played pretty open against Gretna, which you could debate was like, uh, good decision, bad decision, but Taya Ryan caused them problems early. Um, and she caused teams problem all tournament. Uh, Rachel Warwick was an absolute warrior all tournament, uh, which was just a continuation from her season as a whole. I thought she had a really good season for the Knights. Um, and then finally, Kylie Kurtzer, junior uh, defender, was very solid in defense for the Knights. Um, but all of them got to see their teammate win the award. Uh, junior goalkeeper, Samaya Hogg, earned our class A girls state tournament MVP. Samaya has been a standout goalkeeper and leader for the Knights all season and she was part of a defense that kept two shutouts this tournament against Westside and Marion. Yes, I understand that Samaya and the Knights let in six in the final um and there's probably going to be some cynical people that'll say, "Oh, how can you put a goalkeeper in who, you know, lets in six in a in one of the games in the tournament?" Um but in that game she still made 11 saves and averaged over 10 saves per game in the tournament and again this probably was our most controversial choice because it's the only mvp from the non-winning team Um, but i can explain it a little deeper Uh, gretna's team like i said is absolutely loaded they earlier this season they lost one of their best goal scorers in madeline white starter um you know probably could have potentially been their leading goal scorer um but they didn't miss a beat on the field had we taken any of those five players I named earlier that were up for the award in my mind um, off the field or off the team for the tournament, there's a good chance that Gretna goes on to still win the tournament. And that that's not a slight towards Gretna or to any one of those players. It's just, they're so deep and so good. Um, there's a reason they are already the favorites uh, for next year. The same cannot be said for the Knights. I do think the Knights had a solid team. Like I said, Teo Ryan, Rachel Warwick, Uh, Corinne Olsen, Kylie Kurtzer, all all quality players. Um, But I think without Samaya, they're not reaching the heights they reached. Some of the saves she made in the opening round against Westside, some of the saves she made against Marion, um, including the penalty kick save, I I just think it's the most simple explanation for the choice of her as an MVP. Uh, She had a great and valuable performance for her team in the tournament and this season as a whole. Before we get to the boys games we're going to take a quick commercial break. Soccer Talk is brought to you by Deer Creek Sports Cantina and Tacos. Deer Creek Sports Cantina is located in northwest Omaha and is a good, family-friendly neighborhood hangout. They serve Mexican comfort food with all-natural braised and grilled meats, maize tortillas, and salsas made from scratch. They also have a variety of beverages for your enjoyment. When you go to Deer Creek Sports Cantina, tell them you heard about them on Nebraska Soccer Talk and receive free chips and salsa with your meal or drinks. Deer Creek Cantina is located at 12221 Mary Plaza Road, which is right off of 120th and Military. Visit DeerCreekSportsCantina.com for menu and hours. And remember, when you go, tell them Nebraska Soccer Talk sent you. Moving to the Tuesday Finals, which were the boys' Class B and Class A Finals. Once again, it was the Class B Final that provided a rematch of last season, as well as the more competitive game. The Class B Final was between number 1 Scutt and number 2 Lexington. As I mentioned earlier, this was a rematch of last season's final, and it was also a rematch from earlier this season when Lexington ran out 2-0 winners. The game started off similar to the girls' game, where Scutt was the dominant team. I thought they owned the majority of the first 20 minutes of the game. They had a goal called back and a couple near misses before Tyler Phillips played a beautiful cross to Dylan Toth, and Toth did what he has done all season and finished nicely for the opening goal of the game. That goal vaulted Toth to the fifth spot in the state total goals category. Scott continued to be the better of the two teams for the rest of the first half and the opening chunk of the second half. While I thought that the Skyhawks were the better of the two teams, that doesn't mean Lexington rolled over. I actually thought that after the first 20 minutes, the Minutemen settled in a little bit more and they were able to get on the ball a little bit more and create some attack of their own through Diego Martinez up top. Um, Unfortunately, I thought the Minutemen needed to get higher as a team and get some of their other attacking players in the mix more sooner. Um, They were finally able to do that. In the second half, seniors Miguel Raimundo and Ernesto Vargas were able able to get into the attack and connect for the equalizing goal. It was a beautiful goal and a great individual effort to finish by Vargas, who took a tough cross from Raymundo, settled it, and found the back of the net. It's not getting the credit it deserves, but I just watched it back today, and it's one of the best goals of the state tournament, um, just from a skill standpoint. After that goal, uh, Lexington definitely came out more on the offensive, it, and it just did not feel like we were going to go to overtime in this one just because Lexington opened up a little bit more, which was going to leave more room for Scott. And we didn't go to overtime. Under 10 minutes remaining, Jesus Prado was whist- whistled for a foul, and the referee pointed to the penalty spot. Up stepped Mr. Scut Catholic Soccer himself, Sam Shent, who buried the penalty kick, beating Lexington's Echeverria, who guessed right. And I even maybe got a hand to it. It's hard to tell from the from the replay. Uh, Shent and his teammates wheeled away to the Scuts fans uh, to the Scut fans to celebrate. Uh, time ticked off the clock for Lexington, and they were unable to equalize. Honestly, after that goal, they looked a little disjointed, shell-shocked a little bit after the penalty, and it's really hard to blame them, because under 10 minutes, when that happens, that's really tough to rebound from, especially as a high school team and high school kids. Uh, Scut via that penalty, wins their third consecutive state Class B championship, equalizing uh, Columbus Scotus's record. Um, similar to, similar to the girls, I would not bet against seeing a third round of this matchup next season at Morrison. Yes. Lexington graduates a lot. Scott doesn't graduate very much at all. Um, but Lexington, I still think is going to reload and, and make another run at it. Um, overall, th- this was a good game. I thought that, uh, Scott was the better of the two teams at the end of it. I know that Lexington will feel hard done by that penalty kick at the end. Um, but at the end of the day, I really do think the best team won. Um, Lexington, the Lexington and Scott. The one thing I'll say about the game, too, is it didn't quite have that final feeling, it didn't feel like the championship game. Like the, I thought the semifinal between Lexington and Bennington had a little bit more of that edge. Um, that edge did end up coming back when Lexington equalized, but it just wasn't quite there that I saw in the other games. Um, before we move on to the A-Boys recap, I do want to give special attention to our tournament MVP, Dylan Toth. Toth has been a speedster and a goal scorer all year for the Skyhawks, and that did not change in the tournament as Toth continued his goal of game pace throughout the three games, quarterfinal, semifinal, and final. Um, it wasn't an easy choice, though. Um, I think there were several players on his own team that you could argue uh, that could have been the MVP as well. I think you could have given Sam Shent the MVP, and no one would have argued about that um shent can just ball he did it in the regular season and he did it again in the tournament um i think other outstanding performances from the tournament came from center back noah boyd Uh the big fella doesn't always get the love i think uh that he deserves because obviously scott has so many attacking options uh but he has been a rock in the back for the skyhawks and and he even gets involved in the goal scoring he scored a great free kick against prep earlier this year um he's really dangerous on the ends of set pieces as well not just being on set pieces um but obviously we talked about Shent um, already. We could have also given uh, the award to one of the two seniors, uh, Zach Arada or Tyler Phillips, both who I thought having seen them play earlier and then having seen them play now, they played their best soccer of the season at the state tournament. Um, finally. And lastly, one of the other players that pushed for the award was Will Tabobin I said this on Twitter Uh Tabobin would be infuriating to play or coach against. I just feel like he's always, he works, he works, he works. He's always around the ball. Um, and like, that can be just annoying when you're competing against someone like that who works at hard, but then he, he amplifies that even more by having skill on the ball, both as a finisher, but also as a provider. Um, so while you don't want to coach or play against him, he's definitely someone you would want in your squad, um, on the runners up. I think, you know, goal scorer, Diego Martinez deserves a shout out. He was excellent in the tournament. He also often had a thankless job because sometimes he got separated from his team and had to do a lot of work himself as that lone striker at times. Um, He was massive in the tournament and all season for the Minutemen. Uh, Jordi Enamorado scored, he just scores great goals uh, from the midfield and is just a pure worker in the midfield as well. Uh, Ernesto Vargas uh, put in a quality, a couple quality performances in the tournament. Uh, And even a player like Miguel Raimundo on the wing probably deserves a mention as well. Um, He had himself a great tournament too. Uh, In the end, we went with Toph because of his work rate, his presence, and obviously his goal scoring prowess. On to the A side. Uh, we were going to get a culmination of a wild Class A boys season uh, with a final between Gretna and Westside. Obviously, a little bit of bad blood um, or a little bit of a rivalry between those two teams because of something that happened in the fall that I just have no interest in getting into. Um, about and it's not even soccer, so we're just not even going to talk about it really. But uh, Gretna were the favorites coming into the game with a high-powered attack. Uh, while Westside was returning to the final of the state tournament after not even making the tournament last season. And I went to Westside's, I think, first game of the year, maybe their second game when they beat Lexington. Um, I think it was their first game of the year. And I interviewed assistant coach Lee Woolmore after the game. And he kind of said, like, this is where the Warriors wanted to be. This is where they expected to be. And, and they got there and full credit to them. Uh The game started off at a great pace with some good soccer. I thought both teams had prepared. Both teams had a game plan. Um, The opening 10 minutes definitely had a big game edge, final game edge, championship feel to it. Uh, Unfortunately, that feel was not long lasting as Westside's standout defender, uh, Luke Noamishi, was given his marching orders a straight red for his challenge on a Gretna forward. The Warriors were now staring down the barrel of playing 70-ish minutes with 10 men, against a potent Gretna attack, and it didn't help either that on that ensuing free kick, Brett Perkins put it in the back of the net like he uh, tends to do on those. Um, also keep in mind that the Warriors were without senior Isaiah Valenzuela because of a red card he had received in the previous semifinal match against Brian. So it didn't take long, obviously, for the Dragons to start scoring. They scored on that ensuing free kick, um, and once they started scoring, they didn't stop. Brett Perkins tallied another one. Um, on just an audacious Panenka penalty um, kick. If you haven't seen it, it's on Twitter. It's on our TikTok. Michael Stukenholtz tallied two. Thomas Sawinski tallied two. And of course, Maguire Perkins got in the, in on the action, cementing himself as the Class A boys' golden boot. We'll talk about more him more later. Uh, The story of the night, though, as far as goals, for me, has to be Prosper Bouchain. I think I'm saying that name right. I apologize if I'm not. He scored his first and only goal as a senior, which is super cool. What a moment. State tournament. That's awesome. Um, I'm not going to break down the game too much uh, because the score finished 8-0, and I don't think we need to rehash and rehash, rehash. Uh, I think the Perkins brothers were really good. Uh, Stukenholz was really fast um, and skillful, and he caused a bunch of problems uh, for Westside um i will say that i wish this game could have had 11 v 11 for the whole time i still think gretna run out the winners on the night i do think they're the better team um coming into it i think they're the better team on the night but it really made the game kind of disappointing and a tough watch from the neutral perspective and obviously clearly from the west side perspective um but obviously going down to 10 men is hard enough for west side at that point but being without arguably their best defender and one of their best attacking options made it near impossible. I also do have to give kudos to coach Mike Dean. Um, they interviewed him at, they decided that it was a good idea to interview him at halftime on TV. Like pff, if it was me, I'd have lost my mind if they had asked me for a halftime interview. And I, I just, I felt for him in that moment. Um, I just think that that was an interesting choice by the, the broadcast team. Um, The Dragons were Class A Boys State champions, and for our tournament MVP, it was Michael Stuckenholz. Uh, This was a really super difficult decision to make. Uh, Obviously, Maguire Perkins, he was our Metro Tournament MVP. He could have earned uh, the award. He scored three goals in three games and was his usual self, just always on the ball, always a problem. His older brother, Brett, was also really good. Um, He's just brilliant on the field at times. Uh, He does different things that a lot of players don't try or don't do. Um, like the Penenka penalty is a great example of that. Um, Colin McClung and Thomas Swinski were also good as were center back Carson Poole and goalkeeper, Alex Scharf. Uh, the reason we chose Stukenholz was because almost every time he was on the field, I don't think any of the three teams that Gretna played had any answer for him in regards to his pace and skill. I mean, he essentially did whatever he wanted, uh, on the field in the, in the tournament. He scored five goals in the tournament. I think he tallied a couple assists. He won free kicks and penalty kicks for the dragons during the tournament. And like I said, he was just unplayable by opposing defenses. He was pretty good all year, but I do think he brought another level and he stepped up his game even more at the state tournament. Um, it's hard to pick one of his goals that I thought was my favorite. Um, I thought his goal against Lincoln East was probably my favorite, though. If I had to, if I absolutely had to pick. Um, from West Side, I thought they had some standout players that helped them get to the final. Obviously, two that stick out because of their red card situations are Valenzuela and Noamishi. Uh Valenzuela netted a goal off of a beautiful free kick against Brian, and he also had the assist in the semifinal that helped the Warriors get to the final. Uh, Noah was a beast in the back in the quarterfinal and the semifinal. Um, Jeremiah Hattay, who was our player of the game when they played Lexington earlier this season, he was great, per usual, very skillful, hardworking. Um, Captain midfielder Jake Garcia. He had an excellent tournament in the midfield and then, uh, up top, uh, Tristan Alvano. Um, uh, he was a workhorse up top as West side's number nine. Um, at times a pretty thankless job for him. Um, cause he, there were times he did get isolated, but he just, he just works, man. He just works his butt off up there, which was, it's, it's, it's pretty fun to see. So, um. Overall, I thought the championships were either exciting or interesting, Uh, sometimes a little bit of both at different times, but uh, we're done. You know, Gretna wins both boys and girls, uh, and Scott wins both boys and girls. Um, It's going to be an interesting offseason, an interesting year next year, but uh, hang around for one final segment where we honor our boys and girls coaches of the year. And now to talk about our boys and girls coaches of the year, we decided to stick with just naming two coaches of the year across both classes, one boys coach and one girls coach. And this is how uh, we are going to go about naming our coach of the year, not just this year, but every year. Um, And it definitely comes from a place of things that I witnessed in my time as a high school and as a college coach. And there's no offense to be had in this statement um, because I think we have tons of coaches who do excellent jobs, around our soccer community and without you um our players would be lost um not just on the field but off the field so uh, kudos to all of you high school coaches i know how difficult of a job that it is having been in your shoes um but oftentimes i think that the coach of the year award just kind of gets gifted to the coach or the coaching staff or team that that has the most success on that year so it just goes to the champions that's how that's how it works um but oftentimes at the prep and college levels, there isn't a lot of context taken into the decision of coach of the year. Like how good was this team expected to be? What is their talent like relative to their opponents? Uh, how have they been historically or traditionally? Uh, how, do teammate, how do their teams behave on the field? How do they behave off the field? Uh, what were the results this year as a whole? Um, did they exceed expectations? Uh, how was their play on the field in general as well? All these questions were questions I asked uh, myself and and others uh, when talking about naming Nebraska Soccer Talks Coach of the Year. On the boys' side, we want to congratulate Coach Michael Ziola on his team season and his award for Nebraska Soccer Talks Boys Coach of the Year. Ziola, in his final season with the Vikings, coached his squad to an EMC tournament championship, a district championship, and a spot in the state semifinals. It was a tremendous run by the Vikings. Um, and they were a great story that we got to to follow all year. And, and Coach Zaiola and his coaching staff deserve a lot of credit. And here's why. Uh, the Vikings were the ultimate no-quit, all-effort hustle team. Uh, they were definitely not the most talented team in Class B. And they, even though they made the semifinals, I don't know if they were the fourth top talented team in in Class B. Uh, but they were one of the hardest working teams. And they also worked the most together. And they were super resilient. Uh, several times during the season, including in the district final, including in the EMC final, including in the state quarterfinal. Uh, It looked like it was all she wrote for the Vikings, uh, but they continued to come back. They continued to come back, get off the mat, rise up and get it done. Uh, There's a ton of credit that goes to the players in this. They obviously work super hard, Um, but there's has to be credit that goes to coach Zaiola and his coaching staff for instilling that kind of mindset and belief in their squad. And that, and that's, The type of squad that regardless of talent, regardless of depth, they are super fun to watch. And and it's a squad that you want to cheer for. Um, Coach Zaiola is, uh, like I said, this is his last season. He's moving on. I believe he's taking an uh, uh, administrative job uh, back in Columbus, uh, which is good for him and good for his family. And speaking of family, I know that him and his wife welcomed a a child uh, during the week of the state tournament. So no pressure, right? Uh, you have you just became a, a dad, uh, and uh, also trying to coach uh, your team to a state champ, uh, state tournament win after not having been there for I think ten years. Waverly had been gone from the state tournament. Um, on the girls' side, we want to congratulate Coach Liz Kramer on her team season and her award for Nebraska Soccer Talks Girls Coach of the Year. Uh, Kramer and her staff coached the Lincoln Southeast Knights to a Lincoln City Championship a district championship, uh, a 16 and two record and a spot in the state title game. This is all after the Knights did not make the state tournament last season. And they entered this season only being ranked by Nebraska soccer talk at number nine and unranked by everyone else. I thought Kramer and her coaching staff did an excellent job of putting players in their best spots to succeed both individually and as a team. And they fostered a sense of togetherness um, and kind of an us against the world uh, mentality um, and they also made adjustments and steered their team into successes. Uh, like one adjustment that I came to mind was just in the state semifinal when Coach Kramer moved Kryn Olsen back into the back. Um, even though Kryn's their leading goal scorer, she knew that they needed extra help in the back, um, it, and they just overachieved. Uh, they were they were a big time nobody believes in us team. Um, I think, but Kramer fostered a good team culture, and you could tell. They believed in each other uh, um, and it doesn't matter what else, what other people believe. It only matters when a team believes in themselves and believes what they can accomplish. And even talking to some of the Lincoln Southeast players, I ran into them uh, before their semifinal against Marion. And I asked a couple of them how they felt and they, they were super confident. They really, really believed they could get it done and they did. Um, and so congratulations again to coach Liz Kramer and coach Michael Zaiola on their coach of the year awards. Uh, this is going to be an annual, uh, award that we give out every year um to hopefully highlight the coaches that do a a great job um every single season with their uh programs so congratulations again to those two coaches and congratulations to the rest of our coaches on their great seasons that's all for this week's episode make sure to follow us on twitter instagram and now tiktok Also remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share our podcast. As a reminder, this episode was brought to you by Fleet Feet Sports. Fleet Feet Sports is our number one sponsor and one of our biggest supporters. Locally owned and operated, Fleet Feet Sports has a location in Omaha and Lincoln with a third location coming soon to the Axarbon Village. When you think of Fleet Feet, you might just think of shoes, but they offer so much more. Yes, they do have shoes that come with a state-of-the-art fitting process, but they also have tons of athletic and training gear, including clothes, fitness watches, and nutrition items from all the major brands that you know and love, as well as some quality brands you may not know yet. Fleet Feet also offers running and walking classes, as well as training groups at low or no cost. They're a great local organization that is worthy of your business. As we always like to say, shop local, promote local. Visit www.fleetfeet.com for all of your fitness needs or visit any one of their store locations. If you are interested in having your business sponsor, Nebraska Soccer Talk, please reach out to us. If you want to be an individual supporter, visit our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Nebraska underscore talk or Venmo at www.venmo.com slash Nebraska underscore talk. We are one of the most affordable subscriptions out there at $2 a month, either in lump on some on Venmo or in monthly payments on Patreon. You get year-round early and exclusive access to Nebraska Soccer Talk content, which there is going to be more of. Uh, We we briefly scraped the surface of what we're going to be able to do, and your support helps us grow and expand as an entity. So if you're already supporting, thank you. It's so appreciated, but spread the word. Uh, a lot of you have done a great job of also getting other fans, supporters, families, parents on board, and, and we appreciate that immensely. Uh, next week we have an exciting class B girls season in review. Uh, basically the net four part series is going to be start with class B girls. Then we're going to jump over to class A boys. Then we're going to jump back to class B boys. Uh, and then we're going to finish with, uh, class A girls. So over the next month, we still have a lot of high school coverage. And I know that's where we, uh, do really well. And I know that's where our base likes to see it. So we're going to keep pumping it out for you. Uh, Make sure to check it out again, rate, review, subscribe, and share. And we'll see you next week on Nebraska Soccer Talk.